Hey everybody, this is Rachel Bromberger, and you're listening to Unscripted for all things healing and well-being. I'm so glad that you're here for your weekly dose of real talk, deep love, and medicine. Wellness and healing are never a one-size-fits-all thing. What everybody needs is different. My guests and I are always preparing information for you based on our experiences, whether that's personal or clinical or teaching, whatever it is, whatever walk we come from, so that you can gain a gem every time you listen and apply it straight away to transform your life and your health. Welcome back Unscripted listeners. I'm curious if you and I are following each other yet on Instagram. If not, I hope you'll find me at reallyrachelb and send me a note. Tell me what you're liking about the podcast, how you're doing in your life, what kind of ailments or lifestyle issues are impacting your well-being, what you want to hear more about, and of course, if you have a favorite baked good recipe, send it to me. I've got my friend Yolanda Canny here today, and I can't wait to tell you a little bit more about her, but what I first want to say is how much I appreciate her coming to do this episode with me so that we can speak to all of the things happening across the generations. This is one of Yo's specialties is that she really has a, she has a real understanding of what's going on with the different generations that are here on the planet, all living together, our millennials, Gen Zers, our boomers are the some of the silence that are still with us thank goodness so we've got um let's not forget the xers of course i am one so i'm just so appreciative to have her wisdom and her perspective and also her giggles here today as we explore healthcare work retirement mortality working with your healthcare providers we kind of cover quite a bit let me tell you a little bit more about Yolanda. Yo Canny is the founder of Girl Take the Lead podcast, which explores generational differences about leadership and questions the status quo. She has two daughters, a millennial and a Gen Zer, who often join her episodes. Her podcast format includes interviewing guests, discussing the latest research, reviewing books, and learning about organizations leading the way when it comes to leadership. She is passionate about all women seeing themselves as leaders, no matter what title they might have. Yo was in marketing leadership roles for over 42 years and was responsible for launching over 90 new consumer products, most of which are still available today worldwide. She often brings her experience and insights to her episodes. Her favorite quote is, it took me a long time to develop a voice and now that I have it, I won't be silent. That one's by Madeline Albright. Let's enjoy this really great conversation that I had with you. I know it's going to be delicious because of course it's going to be, because every time I listen to you, I'm like, can you just please keep talking? So cool. Thanks Thank Yo, you. for coming. Oh, thanks for the invite. Oh, I am. I cannot wait for everybody to um, hear from you, my wise, brilliant friend. So, all right. Well, why don't we start with, will you tell our origin story and how, how you came to podcasting and a bit about Girl Take the Lead? And then we'll get into some of this, like, how does this relate to our well-being and our journeys? So, Absolutely. So I had been in corporate leadership positions in marketing 
for about 42 years. And last, uh, in 2021, in April, my dad passed and it hit me like a ton of bricks and, um, started really questioning everything. Well, actually, right. We were all questioning during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. what we were doing. And I was shaking my head. I was working in a hospital, um, doing marketing for the hospital. And we were, you know, overwhelmed with COVID and everything going on. I think I just got burned out. You know, I was, um, 60 had just turned 67 and going where, what does retirement look like? And decided to just pull the plug and say, I am done. I need to do something very different. And I knew I would not do retirement the same way as my parents had done retirement. That looked very depressing. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I, I had like a couple things that I wanted to, I had at the foundation. I wanted one to keep learning two to, um, stay open. And the third thing was to just have some fun. So (laughs) I went, what am I going to do? And as always happens, right? The universe brings people into our life Uh that we need at that time. And I have a very dear friend that's known me in my journey for a while. And she's very spiritual. And she said, you know, there's this woman, Kathy Heller, she does a podcast. Um, you want to keep learning and you had a fair amount of awareness of social media, but why don't you check this out? And I went podcasting. What is podcasting? (laughs) Okay. I'm thinking, oh my goodness. Okay. That's personal branding. It's different than corporate marketing. What do you do to, and it just brought all the questions up of learning. So I took Kathy's class. You were in our class and thought I was just going to go learn some skills, but ended coming out doing a podcast. And my podcast is girl, take the lead. I kind of went down this path of leading, um, because I have two daughters, one that's 27, almost 28. And the other one that's 25. And they're both early in their careers. And I thought, gosh, what learning could I pass along? You know, like what would be great for them to have? And then on the other side of it is what can they teach me? Yeah. And that's been really cool. That's been the biggest surprise of all of this has been hearing their voices and mixed with my own and us just going about understanding each other's generations as best we can. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so that's what we've been doing and it's been really fun. I have loved doing it. I was surprised how much I love it. I love doing, look at the cool people I've met like you. Well, thanks. I was going to say I like mean, you, I just looked for, I, I love, like, I feel so, so amazing that we have this like wonderful group that we've made through this that we all happen to come together I'm sure there was some divine uh, planning that happened there that we haven't heard about but it's like clearly working and I just feel so lucky it's been so fun I know I know it's a space where and it it seems to be in the industry itself of podcasting Mm -hmm. where there's collaboration 
mm-hmm. and really not competition, which yes. is so different than the competitive, than, um, corporate yeah. competition. Um, and that's like really fun. It's it fun to be in that kind of environment. It's fun to be in a, there's room for everyone. How can I lift you up? How can we lift each other up? Like that is it's also like a relief. It's fun and a relief. Cause I, I am never into the, there's only that scarcity mindset that often can happen in a work environment where it's like, we got to be the best. We got it. I'm like, if you just be yourself, we'll all be the best. And there's room for all of that. And like, can't we just, so it is true. It has been a really fun community to be a part of for that reason. Right. One of the things that I wanted when I left corporate was to I knew something was wrong with team there. You know, mm. it was it was not a team of lifting each other up the way that we're working together to lift each other up. Like your gracious invitation to be on your podcast, you know, is a way to lift me up and a way for us to all work together. You would never, I mean, yeah. uh, there are probably exceptions, but I never saw them <laughs> Well, but I think it's important <laughs> to hear because it's like you're look you're looking at your experience in the field and the companies and organizations you worked for. So that's real. And that's yeah. real for a lot of people. And even if it's shifting in certain industries or in other generations, like it that's a very real experience for a lot of people that are retiring right now. Yeah. Yeah. Retirement. Um, I think for boomers, um, and sure, there's still a lot of people that all they want to do is, you know, travel to the national parks, <laughs> just that's all they want to do and travel, travel, travel. That wasn't my thing, mm-hmm. you know, because I wanted to keep learning. And that's not saying that when you travel, you don't learn, you absolutely do. But I was kind of burned out from traveling. Mm-hmm. Like I had done a lot of that in my career. And being anchored, it was fine with me. It's fine with me. And, um, my husband's kind of the same way. So he, he's been so supportive. The girls have been so supportive of me doing retirement giving me lots of space to look at how to do it. Awesome. I, I don't know. Right. I'm just sort of going along this path and, um, having a hell of a good time. I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I know that, that my neck has never been so loose Wow! from all the tension that I carried wow. in my neck wow. and in my shoulders of, and this hunching that mm-hmm. I would do because I felt just heavy. And, you know, part of my story is that I used food mm-hmm. to keep fueling me. And got myself up to 225 pounds. And then 22 years ago, I got myself into a 12-step program for food. But that's what I was doing. I kept pushing and pushing Mm -hmm. and pushing. And our generation of boomers are about, we grew up being yuppies, Mm -hmm. you know, wanting more materialistic things. Um, Our parents kind of taught us, you know, you could do anything. Mm-hmm. So there was just go for it, mm-hmm. just go for it. 
and keep going, keep going, work hard because our work parents hard, work play hard. hard, work hard, work hard. Exactly. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Our parents came from, were affected by the depression, mm-hmm. right? And they had this viewpoint on money. And so when we came along, it was, yeah. of course, you will work hard. Of course you will achieve, you know, anything is possible for you. And we did, we didn't get the balance part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> balance part came, I think, a little bit later with your generation, perhaps. We're getting and, cer- there. and yeah. certainly with my, the girls, when I listen to them talk about it, yeah, I'm taking a mental day. I'm like, yeah. Oh my God. I know. Isn't that why incredible? Did I not ever, why didn't I not ever do that? Well, it's interesting to hear like, and I've, I've listened to your daughters on girl, take the lead talk. And I can hear the difference. Um, and they're only a couple of years apart. Right. And it's really interesting because my sister and I are a couple of years apart and we're both in that, we were just talking about this, it's like exennial. We're like, not, we're, ne- we're, neither, we're so on the cusp and because those two generations are quite differentiated, like the, it's a really interesting cusp. And um, there's some stuff that my sister does that's very X and I'm more millennial about. And then some things I'm more X about, she's millennial about. And and um, seeing that play out in work and how we take care of ourselves is fascinating to me because I know that, and I'm a huge proponent of take the mental health day, take the menstrual health day, take the, take the whatever. Um, I still had a great deal of guilt to work through about that in, I do think that's a generational hangover um, to use a word you just used a few minutes before we hit record this, like, yes, do it. And then I still have to deal with my guilt about it. Whereas like, I've heard, you know, I've, I've heard your daughters talk about, and you know, they're towing that line between the two generations too, but like, it's different. They sound different and they're, they're, you know, I'm 41. So I've had, I'm definitely um, in a different part of the millennial piece than your oldest. And I don't hear the same they sound so easy about some stuff when they talk about work. Like there's nothing lingering. I'm like, that's amazing. Right. I think part of it too, is that my parents had attachment to the company Mm -hmm. and loyalty for the the company that they worked for in my generation. I think we were more attached to our careers and not so much to the company. Hmm. And I see in my daughters, their attachment is really to themselves and their personal well-being. Love it. And they move quickly. You can even see it in the way in which the length of time that people stay employed mm-hmm. with one company. Like in my generation, we were like eight years. Mm-hmm. In my, in my daughter's generation, you're lucky to get them for two years before they make a change. Yeah, you went, you said some of that on, I don't remember the number, but it, that episode came out recently yeah. and it's fascinating how different that is. Yeah. Because I think that generation is definitely looking at work balance, but they're also looking at things that are interesting to them. So commitment to, um, like who the company is and changes that happen in a company, they're quite willing to go, well, I don't need to be here anymore because it's changed. How cool is that? Yeah. 
it's more like personal freedom. And I think they're going to be the generation of entrepreneurs that we mm-hmm. need coming up. It'll be interesting to see how that all happens. But the people that have left, like, look at our podcasts. Yes. We're all entrepreneurial yes. in, in what we're doing. And that's how, and, and that younger generation, they tend to have side hustles. Yes. I never had time for a side hustle. I was working 50, 60 well, hours, right? Coming back to that neck thing you just talked about, you know, the image I had as soon as you said that was when you have to, when you're pushing for the career that you want and the recognition you deserve. And um, ha- like you said, having to kind of deal with competitive dynamics within a team that's a very forward that's a very forward energetic and there's nothing to lean back on to let that tension melt away into so it becomes very heavy I mean you could just almost see it I'm very visual when people speak and I'm like well yeah like I could see how as soon as you left you found your back body and you had yourself to lean into both ways. Mm. And so I think there's just listening to, you know, this entrepreneurial, I mean, it is, it's a very, it's especially in this sort of, uh, what do we look like in a, in a post-emergent cold, uh, COVID world now that businesses are having to change like that. I can see this, that it, that's a shift. That's a generational shift we're making. Um, yeah. And I think what you're pointing to as well is I'm sure you see it in our bodies when we come to you as, you know, as, as patients that we're all going to show it differently. Yes. And like, I noticed with my uh, daughters, they've got that um, hump from, from their bending computer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And cell phone. And, you know, they've got that hump. Um, so, so each of us are going to come to you differently, but just because of the way in which we're, we're doing life, yeah. that's for sure. Um, and the way we think about what we want from you mm-hmm. is probably different. I think like, so. Do you see that in your, in your I patients? I do. I think, um, so I've in the, as I, and I'd love to hear you speak about this because of like the, the eras we all grow up in and what we are, what, what is marketed to us actually, um, what the systems are doing also what the practice systems are, um, you know, is how, how have we been trained to engage with our healthcare team and what I've noticed. Um, so in my generation, there's like a will at first, it's like, I need you to fix this issue. And then I'm like, that's not what we do. Like you're not broken. And also that's your job. And then it becomes a partnership. Um, and with the younger generations, I'll say like that are, you know, up and coming younger than I am. Um, they're, they already know that they come asking for the next level of tools. They'll say like, Um, I've heard this actually quite a few times. I have a really great therapist. It's going really well, the talking part, but I need some other tools, physical, mental, and emotional, and spiritual now that I can implement. So they ask for it. And then some of the more mature generations that are still in this kind of like, what's wrong with me? What can you do about it? You need to fix this for me. I don't want to change the way I eat. 
Um, some people do, it's not everyone. There's like no one size fits all. So I don't want to put anybody in a box, but, um, there's definitely like, that's a little harder. And it's even when I'll say, well, can you ask your doctor about this? It's like, uh, depending on the person, if they have a great partnership with their doctors, they will be willing to do that with me. And I'll like write down the questions and they come back to me with this. Let's see what they say. Let's figure this out. And some people will be like, oh, I like, I'm not even going to, I don't even want to like look at this thing in my diet or I don't, I don't want to exercise this way or it's just sort of really, there can be some rigidity there. It's not on purpose. I think it's a training thing. One of the things we saw in some of the research that um, we did when I was with with the hospital was that the millennials are, will come very prepared usually with having done the research online and think that they know what, what the solution is and how, how you should do it. <laughs> um, they, they also do not have primary care physicians typically like yeah. they're, yeah. they're quite willing to go yeah. against the normal structure of what, how you get healthcare. <laughs> and I remember my daughters for a couple of years, you know, when they were on their own, I was like, well, who's your primary care? Well, <laughs> had that conversation with my parents too. They were like, what do you mean you don't have one? And I'm like, when I need one, I'll get one. (laughs) Right. Or, you know, and now there's other alternatives, one medical or, you know, just that are there and available and quick for you for that generation to kind of drive through and keep going. Um, Where I think my generation is more about building relationships with a physician, mm-hmm. God forbid you retire because then I have to find a new one. Oh, it's so stress. How can you say how? Tell us, like, what is that like for you? I have heard how stressful that is for many people that I love and I'm close to, and I want people to hear that so they can have some compassion. That is a big deal when that happens. Tell yeah. Well, usually too, it's not done in the warmest way. You get a mm-hmm. form letter, dear patient. I've retired. <laughs> Mic and, drop. I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> Good luck. See my college. Right. And you're like, oh no. And then you got to go see, you know, yeah. who's available and all of that stuff. But um, it's nice. hard to start over with somebody. Not that I expect to walk in and have my primary care know exactly who I am, but you know, they, they've made notes at least in the file and they look at it and they kind of, Oh, how are you oh, doing? Yeah, you know, <laughs> so I, you know, yeah. I feel a little bit attachment, but I think sure. what, what I'm seeing in the younger generation is they don't, that, 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 I think what it is, is that attachment takes time. Yes. And they are not a patient generation. No, they, they may not actually choose to um, put in the time. Exactly. They're moving fast. Mm-hmm. They expect, and they're doing multitasking constantly mm-hmm. and they're not, it's hard for them to just slow down enough to do a meditation or do some wellness exercises yeah. or take so care of themselves differently. So It'll be interesting to see what comes through that generation in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, healthcare and what's going to be needed and it will. it'll be different. I'm pretty sure it'll be different. Well, it's, it's, in- 
interesting that you say that because, you know, we were talking about that. I'm on that cusp and um, I am now, this is probably just because of the way that, I mean, the, the way I'm built and the kind of healthcare I've needed, because I've had some chronic stuff, but I have, I have straight up very fast, just fired my providers. Like I'm just like, no, I I'll see them once or twice. And if it's not going well, I'm out of there. And, um, my parents are not that way. And I've, so I relate a lot to what you're saying about, um, that millennial generation. Cause I'm like, I don't have time for you to not get this about me and I will not tolerate it. <laughs> and so, I think, yeah, I think you need to share like how to fire. Sure. Um, a physician, I, because I think, especially for boomers, they, yeah. they don't know point. to make a change, like when to make a change and mm-hmm. to question things. Like okay. even I when that. I go with my husband and having been in the field, yeah, I'm all about questioning physicians. Yeah. <laughs> I know they do not walk on water yeah, and, and, and they're real drives people. Him nuts, right? I mean, well, this is a thing, like the best So the best providers I've had, whether they're physicians, nurses, midwives, massage therapists, dentists, like you, it doesn't, I functional people. I mean, it doesn't matter like where they get their license or credential in terms of what kind of healthcare they provide. The best ones I've had are not taking it personally when I have a question. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. So I would say to, to speak to like, but how and when and why, like, cause there are many times I've had chats with my parents. If they hear this, they're going to crack up because they know I'll talk to them, like how to go. And they tell me, and I'm like, did you ask him about this? Did you, did he say anything about this? Did she say anything about that? Did they say anything? And, uh, my dad will be like, well, mom wasn't there this time. Nobody asked that question or my mom will be like, I didn't even think about that. And she's very, my mom's great at the question thing. And so, and my dad is very relational, very relational. And He's like, I didn't ask. Cause like, this is what he said. Or I'm like, but you got to ask. Cause the doctor may not actually realize you don't know what they're talking about and they should be able to speak to this. And if they can't, then I, they can also say to you, I actually don't know, but I'm going to go talk to a colleague or let me make a referral for you. I was like, we want you to get better. We want the medicine to work. We want those of us in it for the right reasons even if we're burnt out and can't, you know, like, aren't, we want you to get well, we want it to work. So I am going to be the first person that's like, I don't think I can help with this, but I know where to send you, or let me call you in a week, or I'll email you the follow-up. So first and foremost, the provider should not be offended by the questions. They may or may not have clock time to explain everything when the question is asked and I think that they should be able to, and I'm using should a lot, and you know, yo, that's not my favorite word, but I don't have another one right now. So ideally they'd be able to come back to the patient and say, um, I, I have someone else to see now. That's like how the day is working. This is really important. Let's schedule a follow-up telehealth. I'll send it to you. Um, let me come back. Can you wait in the room? Let me start this next thing. And I'll come back because it's very, very common. First of all, if we don't feel well. And second of all, as we mature, as third of all, if we have a lot going on in our life, we may not retain what 
the doctor told us in the first place. We may need to hear it a couple times or be like, can you say that again? And if they're out of clock time, they need to figure out how to manage that to still be able to get you what you need. So maybe let me send in the nurse and she'll refer this, like review this with you. Let's make another appointment to go over this. Um, my most newest physician who I'm just totally falling in love with has spent a fantastic amount of time with me and she's run a little bit late into my appointments. And I know it's because she's spending that time with someone else. So I'm happy to wait for her because I know I'll get the same. So that's important. And I think um, it's important that they're interested in hearing what is working for you, even if it's out of their realm of expertise or seems a little bit peculiar to them instead of being like, you know, oh, like that diet's bullshit. Oh, that's working for you. How is that working for you? Tell me more about that. Like they should be able to show you a commitment to their continuing learning. That's important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we should feel respected in their presence. So, yeah. and listen to, right. And listened to, and I so, know um, yeah. when I was with the hospital, I developed a piece that were like five questions you should ask if you're about to have brain surgery. Ooh. <laughs> oh my God. And I worked with our neurosurgeon to develop it. And the very first one was the very first question was how many times have you done this procedure that you're going to do on me? I mean, it's Mm -hmm. such a basic question, basic, but it's important. And I think people Mm -hmm. can be, I don't know if it's intimidated or what goes on, but some people just don't feel they have the right. Yes. A lot of people feel they don't have the right to, to inquire. They feel like they're questioning and judging through inquiry, but really it's about curiosity. And it's also your body. Absolutely. And having, having the the right. Yeah. 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 Well, this is the thing that I'm curious if you're seeing in your, you know, in your peer group, like I've seen it in this, you know, in the boomer generation and above that, all the power has been, it's just given over to the care team. And it's no longer a partnership where we're exchanging information. We're looking at it together because I could ask that question. How many times have you done this procedure? And the doctor could say to me, I've done it three times. It's brand new. Like this is the new way we're doing it. And then we could have a conversation about that. That's not about intimidation and ego, but it's about like, where are we in medicine today? It's changing all the time. It's evolving all the time. And so I think part of it is, is helping boomers see that they can use their voice. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what your, that's one right. of your mission statements in this planet, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> because we all have stuff going on. Yeah. And we push it down mm-hmm. or we don't talk about it. And it takes patience. And you said, and time when you're working with a caregiver in order to understand what's going on with me. Mm-hmm. And you want to, I think the boomers are kind of in this sandwich zone of. Yeah traditionalists who are parents who 
thought the physician was a God. And then those like in your generation, which are coming up and really looking at it as a partnership, we're kind of in solo acts because our generation has been, uh, you know, we were labeled the me generation, right? Right. Not to trust anybody over yeah. 30. And then now I mentioned to you earlier, not to trust anybody under 30. <laughs> it's such a strange middle. Like, right. We're that right sounds really stressful, actually. And, you know, you, we all are the products of what's happened in our lives. You know, the experiences that we've had, whether, mm -hmm. you know, for us, it was, you know, political betrayal with Vietnam War, with Richard Nixon, and that whole Watergate thing that even your generation was affected by. But, you know, there's the civil rights movement that we, we felt firsthand um, and saw that, you know, we challenge things, we question things. Uh, it's hard to trust, mm -hmm. hard to trust. And I think um, the more that caregivers give that space and that acknowledgement of, oh, I'm with you, I'm different with you than I'm going to be with my millennial daughter. Mm -hmm. And you're going to speak to me differently than you would to her. Mm -hmm. Change it up. It's the same thing we try and do, right? Anytime we're marketing, mm -hmm. we have a target audience, we look at it, we examine what they care about and we speak to what they care about. Right. You know, like my, my parents' generation was all about independence. You know, just patriarch, you know, patri um, being very patriotic hotic about things. Hello, yes. that word just did not it's come hard. out. It's like, I know. It's like, <laughs> but um, yes, yes. Boomers came along and we were patriotic in a different way. We yes. were like, we love our country, but hey, it's not perfect here. This right. whole Vietnam War thing. Well, and for <laughs> you, you know, because what you had parents that grew up in two different places. So I bet you saw a really different version of what that looked like, like the American dream versus having grown up all the time. Like, can you, do you have, do you feel like that was differentiated because your parents had two perspectives on that? Did you have a, what do you think? What I look at now, like one of the things, the benefits of being in retirement of having so much of a clear mind, not preoccupied with <laughs> what I need to produce for Monday, except having to do with my podcast, right. um, which is fun. <laughs> um, is that I can begin to see how some of these things have affected my ability to have a voice. Mm. And in my, my growing up in the fifties, you didn't talk about trauma. You didn't talk about very few people had therapy. Um, you, you just kind of went along with, with what, whatever was going on. And you, you didn't get a chance to bring up these emotions that just keep stuff, mm -hmm. you keep stuffing down. And one of the things I've learned from Brene Brown, oh, I, oh my God, I she's know. incredible. If she opens a um, church, I'm going, I mean, no, I don't. no pressure, no pressure, Brene, but I would, I would go I every know. week. 
do all the rituals. <laughs> We're doing um, a three-part series on her right now. And it's just the coolest thing. Um, Ooh to talk about some of the emotions that we're doing. Yeah. And we're going to dig into some of those emotions, but one of the things that she, she said recently on one of her podcasts, she had a guest who was talking about a book that they had done called burnout. And they made the point that emotions have a beginning, a middle and an end. And if you don't process the emotion all the way through and you stuff it down, like I did with food, it's still in my body. Correct. That's why I have a job. That is true. And for sure. And why we need you to come and help us get the the energy flowing, right? And we all do it. We all do it because we don't always know how to release that full wave. So it becomes stagnation. And whether that shows up physiologically, emotionally, spiritually, all three, two out of three, three, it will show up because it's unresolved. Right. And the body has an incredible memory. So, so you have boomers who have never learned. I mean, not, I'm not, I'm making a generalization. Yeah, we're, we're general. Yeah. But we weren't raised with processing those emotions and maybe now we're getting there. And like, I am now just having the space and a lot of it comes up in my dreams. A lot of it comes up in just my meditations or whatever yeah. that I can begin to see some of the trauma that happened, be at peace with it and go, okay, let me grieve it. Let me move through it. Let me Mm -hmm. keep processing. Um, what didn't get processed when I was, you know, five, five years old and I didn't understand it. So it's, it's all, I think we, maybe I've just been very fortunate in a way to have retirement come that I could clear myself enough and feel these things and then find a way to talk about it and give myself a platform to talk about it. How lucky is that? It's definitely lucky and fortunate, but also I think it speaks to your, you are inherently courageous. I don't know if you know, that's one of your superpowers. Maybe, you know, do you know? I'm not sure if you know, (laughs) I, I, I guess so. I guess <laughs> I I had somebody just recently on the podcast talk about fearlessness and uh-huh. courageousness. Uh-huh. And I think sometimes I'm a bit more fearless. Okay. You know, I'll in that, that I I I was at a funeral for my my sister had passed and I was at her funeral and my nephew was supposed to speak to the eulogy. And I'm very Mm -hmm. proud to say that I stopped the funeral when father was about ready to exit the church and had not given him time to speak. He's fearless. (laughs) Good for you. It's like, I don't think about it. You just go. I'm in action. Right. Yeah. Just doing it. Yeah. There were a couple of kids down at the park um, just last week. We have koi in our park pond, our little lake there. They were fishing them. I'm no, like, no, not on my watch. No. Fearlessness. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go in and save the koi. Oh gosh. No. Thanks. Goodness. <laughs> so maybe I'm a little bit, I don't think about it so much. <laughs> and if I thought about it, I probably would yeah. not do yeah, what okay, I was fearless. doing. I'll but but it, yeah, that's, I think, well, I should, it shows some 
anyway, that's it's amazing. Coming. It's, it's just coming, you know, I, I can't, well, you're Stop letting that. it though. You could, yeah. you could have, I guess that's the thing. And I think a lot of people do. And that's why I wanted to hear you speak. And I wanted other people to hear you speak. Cause I've, we've spent, how many weeks have we all been meeting now? It's been like, oh my gosh, it's been a good, when did we start those meetings in the fall, late fall? Wait. Right. Late fall. Because I know I launched in January yeah. and you were before me. Right. Before, you barely before. before. So yeah. So we've been I think Weekly. we started in the summer. Hmm. Last well, we year. started class in the summer, and I think we must have started our weekly calls sometime in the middle of fall. And so this has become part of my weekly routine now. But like the things you drop, and <laughs> I'm like so much wisdom, and it's like you just kind of sprinkle it out there. <laughs> I'm like, uh, did did everyone just hear that? Like that was crazy good. <laughs> it's like, um, and I wanted people to hear that because I, I want other, I, I want everyone to hear that no matter, like, no matter where we are on our journey, like we can tap into that. Like yeah. we can learn to be curious again. We can yeah. unlearn feeling scared about speaking up, be using our authentic voice, opening our throats to be like, this is what I need. And this is what I need help with. And like, who's here to help me with it? Um, and that looks yeah. different for everybody. You know, It does look different. And I think um, one of the things that builds trust is giving the other person permission to just be. Yeah. And, and caregivers have a tough time. They have very short window of time to take care of somebody, listen mm -hmm. to somebody. Mm -hmm. um, but yet you kind of have to have that trust mm -hmm. so that I'll heal faster. I'll heal because you and I have partnered and we kind of understand it. Yeah. And I think the more that we can help people understand about healing, that it's not an external thing no. that happens to you. Yes. Right. It's us taking care of us. Yes. Loving ourselves, putting, you know, taking that time for ourselves mm -hmm. and doing the journey as best we can. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I know. And it's not that we could be very, I could look at back of my career and go, Oh, you worked too hard. You didn't, you know, it was all fine. It mm -hmm. couldn't have been any different. Mm -hmm. It was what it was. Um, I thought that's what I had to do mm -hmm. to, to, to succeed and yeah. get ahead, work, work really hard. Yeah. And would I want that for my daughters? Probably not. Mm -hmm. I love that they're finding a way to balance. Yeah. Work. It's, it's pretty amazing. Cause what I'm hearing that's again, just like beautiful and clean is like, we don't need, there's no regret here. Right. This is what's so I'm reflecting on it. And what's so in the future could be, could be otherwise. It doesn't, we don't have to repeat these patterns that maybe, maybe don't work, but we also don't have to be regretful about them either. And I think that's really important. Yeah. 
to honor. Yeah, because I think regret um, implies that it could have been different mm-hmm. and it really could not. That it should have been. Yeah. Even. My other big insight has been about resentments. And because mm-hmm. I come from a family that's masterful, they could do the master class on <laughs> resentments. <laughs> And he carrying them for a long time. Sure, I get Um, that. (laughs) And what blew my mind recently with Brene Brown was understanding that resentments were not a function of anger, but they were a function of not being able to express your voice or make a request. Oh, it is actually envy. Tied up and nasty. That wow. was, whoa, that was amazing. And in one of my episodes, I know the girls call, call me out on something when I used to go crazy on Sunday nights before I had to get to work on Monday and I would try and clean the house. The cleaning one. I heard that the cleaning I one. giggling on the road home. As I listened. Like, you know, take an hour to clean the entire house. Mm-hmm. So it's ready mm-hmm. for Monday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was that about? But anyway, they, they busted yeah. me on that. And I thought to myself and I said, ah, you know what? That was resentment. That was resentment because I didn't know how to ask for help. Yes. And that's another thing to look at, right? For our generational differences is asking for help. I think that's really good because we had learned in school all upset as a request in disguise, which is essentially what you're saying. Yeah. And it's about learning about the healthy, like a healthy request generation, which is like, I'm going to put this out here and then so-and-so out here can accept decline or counter offer. And I can dance with that. And if I can't dance with that, it's actually a demand. And I have to use myself to communicate that. What are my needs? Oh, that's good. Yeah. I got that from, so my, the founders of my school, which and you and I talked a little bit about this with them, some of the like EST programs and like before they were landmark and all that. And so the founders of my school um, now passed Bob Duggan, still living, Diane Connolly and some others. Those two people were the ones that taught me that specifically. And it changed my life. Like it changed everything about the way I've engaged with who I'm communicating to and what my expectations are. I have a tendency, I learned, you know, not on purpose. It's just what I learned was to be really resentful and begrudging about like not having my needs met and like people not listening to me. And like, it was personal and super unclean. And then I met my husband and he was like, this does not work. And I was like, what are you talking about? And it's taken (laughs) time and it's taken a lot of time. But I think I had like, um, he and I've been together since 07 and it's, 2022. And I'm like, done a lot of therapy. I've done a lot. I now have been able to release enough gunk that built up over time to be able to get that. It's not personal. Yeah, actually. Um, And people can't read our minds, which is the other big breakthrough. (laughs) They really can't. Well, and this is, and but you say that like to like, bring it back to the whole care provider thing. Um, our physicians can't read our minds the same mm-hmm. way we can't. And so if I don't tell, you know, sometimes I'll even say to my, especially my dad, cause 
it, it won't occur to him. I'll be like, did you mention this to so-and-so like your acupuncturist, your cardiologist or whoever? And he's like, no, I didn't, I didn't think to tell them that. And I was like, well, if you don't tell them about your whole self, they're not, they don't know either. And they may not have the clock time to ask. So bring all the things and let them sort through it with you. Don't not bring them because yeah. you think it's irrelevant. And I think that's part of finding our voice. Um, for anyone listening who doesn't know how to navigate that is bring, bring all the things and don't feel bad about that. Like bring what's real and true. And even if it feels awkward, just tell the provider, like, I've never shared this with anyone and I'm scared, but I have to tell you it's okay to speak the awkwardness into the room first or speak the fear or worry into the room first, and then followed up with the information because that can be where we actually break the throat open to be able oh. to say, this is what I have going on. And I feel so peculiar having to share that with you. Um, That's really powerful because one of the things we know is we can't, or one of the things Brene Brown brings up is that we cannot know the emotions of another person. No, no we have to ask them. We have to find out what they are and not assume that you know what they are. So emotions are a big part of care. Mm -hmm. We're going to have reactions when someone tells us you have diabetes or you mm -hmm. have cancer or you have some disease. Mm -hmm. And all of the emotions that would come up with that, they need a place to be, to go, to mm -hmm. feel that they're listened to, that, you know, you can process and somebody who, who gets it and understands it. Mm -hmm. And, and what I love in, in what she's done is she's given us examples on how to, to voice it, how yeah. to ask it. I love that. And not, not put the shame, mm -hmm. not put the embarrassment out there, but to just be able to be with the person in the most compassionate way that you can, mm. you know, so but it takes practice. It's practice Definitely. on everybody's end. Absolutely. It really does. It, it's, it is a practice. It's not, it's not about expertise. It's just about practicing, practicing, practicing. Oh, I so that. I love the idea of you putting together some kind of guide or video mm -hmm. for patients who who need to fire their <laughs> physician. Yeah, maybe we'll maybe me and you can make the guide. That'd be a fun project. Yeah, maybe we maybe we shall do that because I do think it's it may feel harder than it actually is. And I think I ultimately, think. and what I'll say, and we can definitely work on that or I could work on that will be the one thing I'll tell people is if if you're feeling this, like if you're hearing us say this and it's like, oh, that's me and I can't even like bear to go to that appointment next week, cancel it and just make a new one with someone else. And then we'll figure out the communication part of that later. Yeah. But like that one self-loving, fearless action yeah, just tilts that, it just, the needle moves just enough to feel a little bit of empowerment and start getting what we need right away, which is, you know, call a trusted friend and say, you mentioned that you really like your, whoever, your orthopedist, can I have their number? Yeah. 
and and just begin take one little step i think is the first amendment yeah maybe we'll make a little guide sounds good i like that yo <laughs> my pleasure <laughs> so let's see leave us with before we do where can everyone find you would you speak into a little bit about like what's like one or a few things that you would you'd want everyone to hear but also particularly your peers about like how to create how to create their retirement, like how to create this next, whatever their next part of their travel on the planet looks like, like, what is that? Like, what would you wish for everyone that they would do for themselves or have or be? I think I would say, just be open. Mm. It can be scary because especially those of us that have been working for so long and have a paycheck and you don't have a paycheck anymore. And you might've tied your identity and self-worth to how much money you made. It's a reinvention of who you are. And we have those happen in, in our life. And, you know, that's what resilience is really is like being able to take these big changes in life and reinvent ourselves. My, my favorite person to look at reinvention is Madonna. I mean, Ooh, she's yes. amazing. Or share. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Masterful. Right. Totally, I mean, totally. So if, if they're looking at identify, you know, looking and changing their identity and who they are, we can too. Mm-hmm. And we're not, and, and it doesn't have to be a certain way and it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be miserable you don't have to be a like you feel like you've lost something. Mm. I think that's the big thing that I've seen in myself. And people tell me, don't you miss it? And I'm like, are you nuts? Like, why would I miss it? <laughs> uh, no, I don't miss it. I don't know. I love to thank you. No, I'm good. <laughs> Have you seen this neck work a little bit better? Look at these shoulders. They're really down. Have They're you not like my amazing. <laughs> You have like all this beautiful color in your face and your cheekbones and bright eyes. It's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. You can have, you can have it back. No problem. Um, But I think that's what I would say. And then along the way, you know, just have fun and laugh and work through and work through your stuff, Mm -hmm. whatever there's there, because I don't think we want to I, I, I think it's okay to bring it up. You can always cut this. <laughs> I don't want to take it with me to the next one. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> you do but go there. If, if we're all thinking about how we're going to pass mm-hmm. the way in which we do it. And I think it was Brene Brown or someone that I heard talk about it, that people who haven't resolved things in their life don't tend to pass easily. Yeah. They pass fighting. It's a fight is what I've also been learned. Mm -hmm. And people who pass with grace and centeredness and love and like the way my dad did of just taking care of everybody on the journey out yeah. That episode is beautiful, by the way. I'll, I'll link it for people because they can oh, hear that story because it really, that. I didn't mean to interrupt, but you said it and it took me right back to when I was listening to it. And that's, 
that's what we can, we have to do the work ahead of time so that we have a little bit of a choice on how we go out. I know we don't control it. I know we don't, we Mm -hmm. don't get to choose the, some people choose it for themselves, but most of us do not. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you had, if I could leave everybody in great shape, yeah. Why wouldn't I? What if I could leave everybody feeling loved Mm -hmm. because I've worked through my stuff and I love me, then I can love you too. And I can say, I'm so grateful that you're in my life. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't that be just the best Mm. that the people who know that I love are loved yeah, and that I care about them and that they're going to be just fine Mm -hmm. without me. It's free. That's freedom in the, in the very personal sense. And I am certainly not speaking about the uh, civil reckoning that we are having, but that freedom of self, that freedom of the heart and that openness of the chest to be like, I'm, I'm all in and I love myself and I love everyone. And let's just do that. I, that's perfect. Thank you for saying that. I'm glad we went there. We got to go there. (laughs) That's the place to go. Cause that's a lot of our stress comes from our fear of not having the control over like when and how and our mortality. And, and in most of us thinking that we have control when we we really don't, we really don't. Oh my gosh. It's (laughs) the greatest lie of, (laughs) right. I I think that's the most humorous thing about this now, you know, just like, it's so wonderful just to sit on, you know, wherever you are and be present and be okay with wherever you are. There's no place to go, no place to be. It's okay to be where you are. So thank uh, you for having me. Thank you for being here. Tell everyone where they can find you to reach out and connect right. and listen. And of course, we'll link it up. Yeah. So my podcast is Girl Take the Lead. And um, you're welcome to send me email. I'm yo at yocanny.com. I'm on Instagram. My handle is yocanny. You can get a theme going on here. If you put yocanny anywhere, <laughs> you'll find me. <laughs> find me. <laughs> but thank you so much, Rachel. And yeah. for, for who you've been in my life, um, just such a, a loving caregiver who just loves everyone and wants everybody's well-being. And such a commitment to that. So thank you. thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for that. Thank you for being here. Oh, I cannot wait to get this out to the world. Thank you. Yo has a way of speaking into things that I just find incredibly refreshing, so wise. And she always pulls things that... I don't always hear the first time and kind of grounds it in the greatest, biggest picture. Uh, This is why I'm so appreciative of her coming to talk with us today and dropping all these nuggets of wonder for us to think about. Let's do our key takeaways. Number one, each generation relates to the world in a different way. This shows up at work and in how we handle our healthcare. Consider each person's unique perspective in navigating life based on the generation they are a part of. 
Number two, your healthcare provider, quote unquote, should not be offended by the questions you ask or needing more time, attention, and discussion to address your health concerns. If they're not able to work with you to answer those questions, schedule time and explain things, it's time for a new provider. Number three, you may feel like you do not have a right to inquire about the things that impact you. That's a falsehood. You absolutely have a right to inquire. Number four, we heal better when there is trust. Healing doesn't happen to you. It's about loving yourself and taking good care of yourself. Number five, resentment is actually a function of envy. Resentment comes from being unable to make a request or express your voice. Number six, people cannot read our minds and neither can your physicians. Number seven, speaking the emotion into the room helps it be expressed. Try things like, I'm feeling scared and I still need to share this, or I feel silly telling you about this, but here it goes. Speaking the awkward into the room is one way to help us learn to use our voices. Number eight, emotions are a big part of care. We're going to have emotional reactions to what is happening in our health a good provider will be able to hold some space for you with this. Number nine, a note to boomers on retirement. Yo says, be open. It can be scary that our identity may have been tied to our work. So she encourages people to think of retirement as a reinvention of who you are. Resilience is about taking these big changes in our lives and reinventing ourselves for the time we are in. Number 10, on our mortality. It's better to do the work to resolve things while we are living so we can pass more easily. People who do not tend to have a less graceful passing. I also loved Yo's idea about getting everybody a guide on how do we let go of a healthcare provider to find a new one. So if you have specific questions about that, please email them to me at hello at rachelbrumberger.com so I can incorporate that while I'm working on that design. I am going to be working on it this summer, so I'll keep you posted. In the meantime, I do have a sort of requirements checklist for designing your care team. Go to rachelbrumberger.com slash free, and I will work on that new one for you in the meanwhile. I so appreciate all of you listening to all of these conversations and helping build this community so that we can have a world that is healthier, more well, more grounded in ourselves. And it's always been my belief that each of us in our greatest potential and our greatest well-being make this entire world a better place. If you're enjoying Unscripted and you have a moment to rate and review the podcast or share one of your favorite episodes, I would really appreciate that. You can tag me online if you want to share something that you really enjoyed. I'd love it. I'd love to be able to engage with you and dialogue around that. Feel free. And you might have something that spoke to you that would speak to someone else you love. A quick shout out to Darcy A., one of our unscripted listeners who left me a lovely review the other day. Thank you so much, Darcy, for being a part of this community and for taking the time to review. I appreciate it so much. It filled my cup. And yeah, I'm just delighted that you're here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Have a great, great week. I'm wishing you ease and grace and joy. Talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Unscripted. This is your weekly dose of real talk, deep love, and medicine. I can't wait to talk to you again next week. You take care.